Mm. Hey, babe. Hi, babe. <laughs> what up, what up, what up? And welcome to the Petty Herbalist Podcast. It's your girl, Karina, in the house, in my mama's house. <laughs> and Asia is here in her quiet place. Love to hear and see it. Mm. Bay, um, I got a question for you. What's, What's in your medicine bag today? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, celebration is mm. in my medicine bag. Yes. Uh, Dr. Kev introduced me to his favorite book, which was called I'm in charge of celebrations and mm. I I love to celebrate myself and so mm-hmm. yesterday I facilitated a dope inclusivity training and mm. spoke to this like literally incarcerated like radical revolutionary um, men who organized the biggest prison strike in history um, mm. and I didn't know I was talking to him from prison. I didn't know he was in prison on a liberation phone. And I said, oh my goodness, you are. Yeah. So it was a tight conversation and I'm going to interview him. And Mm. it like, so I was just like, (laughs) I could (laughs) Like today is dope. Like I was so, so yeah, I was like, I want to celebrate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but you should, I was, Mm-mm. I got me some chocolate cake. Yes. It was the best chocolate cake. <laughs> I was like, I'm in charge of celebrations. So mm-hmm. celebrations are in my medicine bag. <laughs> mm, that's beautiful, babe. Love that. <laughs> What's in your medicine bag? You know, uh, there's so many things. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because Asia and I were talking before this. And uh, what I really want to say is I'll say later on, maybe in future podcasts. But um, crying was in my medicine bag this morning. Um, mm, releasing the tears, blowing my nose. Um, taking my soul to the laundromat um, was in my medicine bag today and being able to do that with my best friend, you know, um, I often deal with things that are really hard that I feel maybe a little shame about on my own. And I made the commitment that I'm going to like be real with my wife this year about the things and uh, I've been doing that, and it's been, oof, oof. <laughs> uh, it's been healing um, to do it with someone else, you know, someone who I trust, someone who I know is going to give me the wisdom that I need, mm-hmm. and um, be very uh, careful with my heart, you know, so. <sighs> That was in my medicine bag this morning. <laughs> Still crying now, amen. amen. And um, it it feels really good. So yeah, I'm truly in my bag <laughs> today, <laughs> yes. doing the things that I needed to do. So um, mm. 
thank you, Asia, for being a part of that today. And um, y'all, we're so excited because we're starting a new series on gut health. And today, what are we talking about, Asia? Ooh, we are going to talk about wheat. Mm. and I just want to name that it's just been such an honor to to receive you and and to hold you the way that you you hold me and just Mm. so you know I get to like see the part of myself that is you and I get to also release and I also get to take my soul to the laundromat and I also get to not betray my own heart so Mm. I just want to give you props for uh, your vulnerability and really the you allowing me to hold space for you gives me purpose. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Sorry I didn't give you your time to process what I said. <laughs> it's good. Uh, <clears throat> My digestive system is on point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of gut health. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love that yeah let's <sighs> thank you for that yeah I would love to get into talking about wheat yeah. and talking about bread I'm I'm really excited let's get into it mm. so um I want to begin our conversation with situating us in um coloniality I want to mm. name that like as folks of color and in particular as um, a woman of West African descent, our primary relationship, our biggest relationship is to roots, Mm. right? Tubers, plantain, yam, Mm -hmm. um, yucca, uh, (laughs) all of these beautiful, uh, and plantain's not a root, but it's, they throw it in there as (laughs) (laughs) the things. They do. So just to name that, like we are daughters of the yam Mm -hmm. and that is, that's going to be our mainstay. And African-Americans have a specific relationship to roots and root vegetables. And that's why um, black doctors and black healers are often called root workers. Mm -hmm. And the pattern of coloniality also has the food ways of colonizers becoming our food ways. Mm-hmm. So as our blood has mixed and as we have uh, hybridized and, and creolized and become mm-hmm. mestiza, <laughs> shout out to Auntie Gloria Andalzua. Uh, we have also taken on uh, the food ways of um, colonizers. Um, <clears throat> and so wheat and dairy. Uh, have become a part of who we are as people and Mm. I'm really a stand that it's not wrong Mm. yeah and I think it's really important that you talk about that because diet culture particularly in western countries puts bread in a bad category right Mm. so we think we consider them carbs like bread as carbs not bread as wheat wheat like a sacred plant like we just throw it all together and say it's just a carb rice is a carb bread is a carb I think it's um it's dishonoring what wheat is 
<laughs> um, especially to white people, right? Ooh, the way, <laughs> let's talk about dishonor for five Ooh. seconds because I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be Asian and, and mm. write books called Rice Belly <laughs> and create a paleolithic diet that says your mainstay right. is trash, is going to cause harm, is going to make you fat. I, the way that Demeter is rolling around in her grave right now, that her mm. children, that her grandchildren have taken the sacred food of of their ancestors and turned it into the devil. I like, it's mind boggling. Mm. Um, It's mind boggling and it hurts me, Mm. right? Because to make wheat the devil is literally to ignore thousands of years of history and culture and teachings and knowledge and medicine practice. It's like, how dare you take a whole food yeah. and bastardize it and then blame the food for your own bastardization. I am right. so tired of all of the fads and all of the gluten-free and all, all this stuff is just so exhausting for me. I just want real einkorn mm. crackers. That's right. <laughs> I just want some real crackers. Mm-hmm. Well, the real slip shady, please stand up. <laughs> because... What the crackers are being replaced with are gums and isolated starches, tapioca, mm-hmm. all of these things that ironically, ironically also hurt your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just crazy too, because uh, I was thinking about how, as you were talking about how this sacred plant of wheat, the sacred bread created this food created by wheat. Um it's um I was watching this documentary. Well I watch all the time. This docuseries called Cooked on Netflix. Shout out to Michael Pollan. <laughs> uh, I love him so much. But yeah um in this docuseries um he talks about the four elements or he categorizes um, what, how food has, or how cooked food has um, uh, allowed us to evolve into humans. Um, And so he uses four elements. And so the element of air, he um, describes bread making and fermentation. (laughs) And so um, they were in Morocco. And um, he was sitting with his family and he was learning about how um, they grow the wheat and then they take it to the miller and how the miller does the things, blah, blah, blah. But as they were um, doing or as he was visiting and talking to different people, um, he learned that the Arabic word for bread is the word for life. And that it had been illegal to cut bread with a knife because it was too violent of an act to put a knife to life. Wow. And so when you think of bread as life, you never want to bastardize it. That's right. You know, and Mm. dishonor it Mm. by calling it um, 
I hate calling bread a carb, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because we say carbs are bad. Carbs are fattening. Carbs are destroying your life. But no, bread is life. Bread is life. And and bread requires life. Right. I'm I'm thinking about our Jewish siblings and Mm. the Exodus story of how like when it was time for them to go to get up out of Egypt, they didn't have time to leaven their bread. And so Mm. for Passover, um, they eat unleavened bread and they keep that as a part of their history, Mm -hmm. right. To remind them the the struggle, right. Because truly the most of the breads that we're eating are dead breads. Right. Right. So there are, uh, three types of leavening processes that we can talk Mm -hmm. about. One is leavening with baking soda or baking powder, Mm -hmm. right? This form of leavening gives you a rise Mm -hmm. and it's really quick, but it does nothing to make the bread more healthy or to liberate Mm -hmm. any of the nutrition. And so um, that's one method. The other way is leavening with yeast, Mm. right? And this is um, uh, yeast are fungi. They're, mm-hmm. they're fun guys <laughs> <laughs> and yeast, uh, you know, they eat a lot of the different sugars and they produce CO2, mm-hmm. which is what gives the bread this yummy, bubbly, and delicious. <laughs> and yeast is good because bread, all grains, um, don't actually want to be eaten. Mm. And so the mama grain fills her baby seeds with anti-nutrients so that the predators that eat them get tummy aches, Mm. right? So in wheat, we have um, phytic acids and we have lectins and other compounds that really disrupt our health. And so um, yeast Mm. leavening, working the life into the bread actually will deteriorate a good number of those anti-nutrients and the mm. last form fermentation which i still have <laughs> Karina sourdough starter that's yes. the one i use <laughs> uh, so not only do you get the bacteria the yeast working it and rising it but then you have the acidifying bacteria mm. who are able to liberate the uh, minerals like zinc that mm. exist in the bread. And so the most advanced form of bread making uh, is sourdough bread making. Yes. And it's the ancestral form of bread making of mm. our European and, and our many of our ancestors. It's not just Europeans who eat bread. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, bread is fascinating. Yeah. <clears throat> And um, y'all know I love sourdough bread. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've had a sourdough starter for years now. And um, as you mentioned, bread takes time. Mm. And so in order to have time, you have to <laughs> be um, be privileged to have the time to be yeah. able to make that bread. Because right. I know for me, a sourdough like in the entire process takes me about three days because there's the day where you got to take it out of the refrigerator to let it thaw. And then that, or the next day is when you put the bread together and then you got to wait for it to ferment for almost a day. 
So I just say three days um, for the bread to rise um, on the third on the third day. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it takes time. It takes privilege. And um, I'm grateful for the privilege that we had um, during the beginning of the pandemic um, where a lot of us were at the house. And people were trying on doing a sourdough. Mm. Um, and I was petty on the internet because I was like, oh, now y'all want to do sourdough bread. But I'm <laughs> grateful <laughs> that we had that time um, and that people were truly experiencing like this fascinating ancient technology, as you're saying. And I'm glad that they got to taste that mm. kind of bread versus the bread that they've been getting at the store. That's right. And oftentimes we got to take time because the judge take time. Yep. (laughs) Judge takes time. (laughs) (laughs) And truly like thinking about like the Exodus story, like the reason why like our Jewish siblings were eating unleavened bread was because they didn't have time. And the reason why a lot of us really suffer with bread uh, is because they cut the aspect of time out of it and just put the baking soda. Right. The fact that most of y'all are eating dead bread, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Ooh. if you understand that bread is the goddess, right? Mm-hmm. Bread is Demeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you understand that the goddess has the power to gift us and to curse us. Mm-hmm. And so part of like her sacred rights and her sacred intention was to show people how to properly prepare her grain. And mm. when we ignore that bread is sacred and that bread is just a commodity, right? Mm. Then we skip steps and mm. we take the, the, the aspect of time and life out of the bread and it costs us something. Yeah. And I'm wondering, Asia, does that like shortening of time or and or eating dead bread does that contribute to um, gluten intolerance and food allergies as it relates to wheat and or gluten yeah so a let me just name that there are folks who have celiac disease that I've lived with Mm. that are my kin that are my siblings and ooh, listen like Mm. the way that they need Gluten free, <laughs> right? The way that they need accommodation, the way that they need to double check and triple check. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing funny or nothing light about having actual celiac. And I want to name that most gluten, quote unquote, gluten intolerance isn't an intolerance to gluten, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, there's there's a few things that are going on with this, like pandemic of uh, (laughs) bread fear. Um, (laughs) One of the things that's going on is uh, the nocebo effect. Mm. So the nocebo effect is uh, people's belief that something is going to cause them harm and then uh, they will uh, experience that harm. And so there, Mm. there's been studies done on specifically quote unquote gluten intolerance where people who say they're gluten intolerant are given bread that doesn't have gluten or given a a thing that doesn't have gluten in it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they're told that it does. And then they start suffering and they're like, Oh, I'm inflamed. (laughs) And and they have all the symptoms 
but there was no gluten, right? Mm. They, a lot of it is psychosomatic. It's based off of the stories that we have around food. And because the predominant story of wheat right now mm. is that it causes harm, all these people are reacting to the story mm. and not necessarily to the food. Mm. Uh, another point is that American wheat is truly uh, different than wheat globally. A lot of folks will know that when they eat uh, wheat, like in Italy or wherever they travel, that they don't have any side effects, like what you said mm. about the DR. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because American wheat is sprayed uh, with glyphosate, which is um, an herbicide, and it's loaded with that herbicide and it's not washed off right Mm -hmm. and then they so a lot of folks aren't reacting to the grain they're actually reacting to the herbicide that's been sprayed on the grain Mm -hmm. um and that's that's real um yeah that's offensive and so oftentimes having folks have organic grains um will uh alleviate some of their problems Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, the next part of the story, of course, is that the wheat has been improperly prepared, Mm -hmm. um, because people don't have time, right? Right. They're not putting the life into the bread anymore. They're just doing quick breads. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, um, we, we can be difficult to digest because of the, the things that we named. And so their bodies need that long processing to be able to accept that wheat. Um, there are folks, mm. right? There are folks who have specific microbes that um, create phytase and digest phytic acid. And mm. these are people who, you know, were originally wheat eaters, Iraq and the Fertile Crescent and mm-hmm. people of Middle Eastern origin oftentimes have a lot of microbes that can digest most forms of wheat, but a lot of us don't mm. have that. So mm. we do need our wheat to be pre-processed. We need the time and the life put into our bread. Right. I mean, it makes sense that <laughs> these Western countries, especially the United States, wouldn't put a lot of time and effort into food because we want whatever, whatever's quick, easy, fast, and makes tons of money. Mm-hmm. But we're learning that that has a cost and that's people's health. Yeah. And they're not getting to experience the fullness of the goddess, the life that is wheat. Yeah. Ooh, Mm. the way that we have to respect it. I mean, there's also like, uh, you know, some paradoxes, like people really go hard for like whole wheat you know we should eat whole grains and all this stuff but you look over at the homies in asia right (laughs) are they really eating brown rice like "Mm -mm." no (laughs) you know our ancestors actually removed the bran Mm -hmm. from grain in order to help us to have it faster Mm -hmm. right because Mm. Uh, when you remove the brand, first of all, yes, you're removing a lot of the nutrition mm-hmm. in it, <clears throat> but also you're removing a lot of those poisons, mm-hmm. right? And so our mm-hmm. ancestors acknowledged already that like, oh, well, our grandchildren aren't going to have so much time like we have. So we're going to make white flour and we're going to polish the rice and make right, 
and make white rice mm-hmm. so that even if they're on, you know, their time crunch, that they'll be able to quickly produce it. And so now we have all mm-hmm. these crunchy hippies. Oops, just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, whatever, all these crunchy granola folks, and they just want to oh, like whole grain, like brown, black, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's real is that if you're consuming the grain whole, then you have to fully process it. Right. Right. Like my einkorn, I take the whole berries of einkorn, grind them, and then fully ferment that wheat before, mm-hmm. right? I, I make food with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to work with whole grain flours. Right. But most Oof. people, because they don't know that it's a goddess and that there are ways of working with the goddess, mm-hmm. right, are going to be making whole grain stuff without fermenting it. And then their nose is going to be on fire they're going to be so yeah they if it's white it's actually uh if it's white it's right (laughs) white is all right okay right white is all right (laughs) (laughs) listen it's true and also the um the fungi <laughs> love it too. You know, it your your white or all-purpose flour is going to rise easier than your whole wheat flours because yeah, there's less to- or uh, what is it called poisons that you said mm. um, that the the fungi they have to get through too. Like they're working also, mm. so you make it easier for them. You make it easier for you. And y'all get to have some yummy bread, period. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, um, Karina and I both love our ancient grains. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really became domesticated about 17,000 years ago mm-hmm. in the Tigris and Euphrates River Valley, um, what's known as modern-day Iraq. Mm-hmm. And the wheat that they were eating is the same wheat that Karina and I eat. Um, Einkorn. That's shout right. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to ancient grains. Give us some einkorn, some comet. Um, you know, this is the pre-Egyptian grains, right? Before mm-hmm. Egypt was an empire. This is this is what folks were eating. And so one of the ways that we honor the goddess um is by eating the grains that haven't been so thoroughly hybridized and really respecting these land races and these old cultivars. Um, Mm -hmm. to really enhance the nutrition and quality of our food. And we have both flowers, right? Mm -hmm. We keep our whole grain flowers for long process. And then we keep our our all-purpose flour um, for Mm -hmm. sometimes when we want a quick bread, when we want a a light, fluffy loaf. So (laughs) um, it's nice to have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yay. I hope that y'all will take this on. And um, honor bread that is life, that is connected to the goddess, that is not just a carb, (laughs) which makes me mad. It's not something that can be manipulated by diet culture. Like it has firm foundations in human history. And I always want to honor that. Um, So Asia, as we head out the door what is your bougie auntie word of advice for the folk today Mm, thank you for asking that 
Mm-hmm. Um, as I am recovering from my orthorexia, right, which is mm. my session with food and food quality and all of this stuff, what I'm really leaning into. Uh, I recently had some soy, <laughs> but it was made by a brown woman in the traditional way. And I said, ah, I'm going to be in flame, but I'm going to have this. <laughs> I said, I'm going to eat it. And I started wheezing. I did all the things, but I was wheezing with joy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, <laughs> my question is in this world of imperfection, um, mm. how do we survive by being able to have and take in as much as possible of the Mm. beauty that the world has to offer and it's not through this fear of food this hyper specificity this 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 condemnation right it's not through our Mm. phobias right but it's through uh being in relationship with even the things that are poison Mm. because even even the poison can be medicine right small amounts of phytic acid are active against cancer right Mm -hmm. lectins and all of the things that the plant provides like are even medicine and so what I'm really thinking about is like how much harm can I take on Mm. to have a good life yeah and for each of us we get to decide what our barriers and thresholds are but building a relationship to poison is a part of my medicine practice and I want to see what it's like when you do too. Mm. Oh, I got a word. <laughs> okay, I got the word, which makes <laughs> me have a word. <laughs> What's the word, says? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, mine is influenced by yours. Um, I think that being present is the best medicine. Um, sometimes you're going to eat that. (laughs) You're going to have white sugar, white flour. Like when it's time to celebrate, you know, (laughs) you know, you might be stuffy. You might whatever, feel the things you might like get fat. I don't know, whatever. There's time for feasting in life. Um, we have multiple feasts in our cultures and I think you should really press into those times. Um, diet culture tells us that we need to create this strict regimen to avoid all these things. But the reality is, no, I'm going to participate in the feast when they come because the famines will also come. And so I want to be able to be present for all those things so that I can experience life to its fullest. And so, yeah, my friend's birthday is coming up this weekend and best believe I'm going to eat the things. Okay. <laughs> gonna eat the things and also i'm probably gonna make some things too because you know people deserve um but yeah my bougie auntie word of advice is yeah to live life to be present to it to eat bread please and enjoy it and put some jam on it put some honey on it (laughs) truly experience the fullness of life so i hope y'all take that on <laughs> Unless you're celiac. <laughs> Unless you're celiac. But like, listen, you eat your things too. Like, don't create like such strict boundaries that you're not enjoying life too. Cause there are things that you can like my gluten-free lemon bars. P- 
period. Okay. Mm. They're so good. I'm about to make some this weekend. Yes. You know, like, and I like, I am going to use this recipe over the one that has flour because it tastes better. And Asia knows because she's tried them. (laughs) Truly, truly. I want more. Yeah. Everyone, you know, just take the time to enjoy life. Like I said, enjoy the feasts because there will be famines. So be present, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for that word, sis. Yeah. Thank y'all for hanging out with us for another week in another series. Thanks for supporting us um, on all the socials um, at Petty Herbalist and at Bones, Bugs, and Botany. And please, please, please continue to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Petty Herbalist to support the podcast and to support Asia and her book. Woo, woo. Um, patreon.com slash bones bugs and botany all right y'all have a great week and remember to stay Stay ready ready. and be petty (laughs) bye bye